Welcome back to the Down to Mars podcast. We are already back with our third episode this week. I told y'all you were coming with three this week. We were planning on doing it yesterday, but three days in I a row. I wasn't even going to put you on blast. I know. Like... Three days in a row is a little intensive for me because I went to sleep. So. <laughs> <laughs> so we're back with episode 12 and GJ is going to kick things off with our gut check segment. That gut check. All right. So I already did my holiday theme. You're, you're like out of, holi- of uh, Halloween themed I'm, questions. I'm back to just. I don't know standard. that I'm done yet. I'm just saying. I'm not mad at you. Like, do whatever you want. But... <laughs> so, you ready to do this? I'm ready. I right. am ready. All right. So, RV for a year or beach house for retirement? Beach house for retirement. You don't want to like it. Go explain. I mean, okay. Save a species from extinction. Or save a stranger from death and you're the only person that can save them. Oh my god. My gut my gut I, I'm gonna have to grapple with this, but my gut check answer is to save the species. Okay. You hit the lotto. Lump sum or incremental cash? Incremental. DiCaprio or Tarantino? DiCaprio. <laughs> Beyonce's music? Or Rihanna's products. What are you doing to me? Beyonce's music. Okay. Has has Chris Brown earned his redemption? No, I don't like him. Is Jay-Z overrated? No. After a screening of Black Panther, they give you a microphone. You got to ask Ryan Coogler one question. What is it? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> like where do you go from here <laughs> after watching black panther yeah that i'd be like where do you go from here um if i was given time to think about that answer more i'd probably come up with a better question but i'm I'm just gonna i'm just gonna stick with that okay that saving the species versus saving a stranger thing was tough was it really? Yeah, like that one. That one, I feel like I'm going to like spend some time thinking about. Like, I'm going to like pose that question to other people, I feel. Word. I mean, dope. I'm glad that you feel yeah, strongly like that about a question me, like that. That gave me some food for thought. <clears throat> That's what's up. It's just, it's just like, I am like such an animal lover and like a conservationist, you know, that I, that that's just... Like, I feel really strongly about that. Not to say that I don't feel strongly about saving a human being's life, yeah. but like a species, like the whole species. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you ready to get into <laughs> this next episode? Let's do it. I'm okay. ready. So I'm kind of interested. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued and excited to get into this topic. Uh, I think it's a topic that on its face, a lot of people kind of steer away from. So, of course, we're like diving right into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because I know you said that you're kind of over this Halloween theme, but I am not. So <laughs> I thought of doing a podcast episode about death. And, right. um, I say that it's related to Halloween because I think that it's like one of the scariest things to a lot of people. And a lot of the, you know, like typical Halloween type of 
horror characters are really centered around death. You know, like zombies are dead people that come back. Right. Vampires are dead people that come so, back in a different way. Ghosts are dead people, <laughs> you know. So just to just to like frame the conversation, like are we having like a like a spooky conversation no. about death? So that and that's exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to take something that other people usually think of as spooky or scary or hard to talk about and talk about it in a more lighthearted way and just open up the conversation. Well, and I don't know. Is there a lighthearted way to talk about death or are so, we having like a more mindful discussion? I guess about it? I guess both in a way. And you'll see why, because I, I, I did some research and I found some things that I'm 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 like excited to share with you and, and to our listeners. Um, but first, I wanted to tell you about something that I saw on Facebook the other day. And it was funny because I, I had this idea for this podcast and then this video came up, of course. It's like it's like one of those like law of attraction type of things where I saw this video that was of a little boy and he was sitting down with his grandfather who has cancer and basically is terminally ill. Like, you know, so he's sitting down and they're basically just having a conversation about him dying with this little boy. Little boy had to be like maybe like eight years old or something like that. And again, like, I feel like with kids, especially, you know, we try to shield kids a lot from conversations that we feel like they're not ready for. And I think death is one of those things. Like, you think that kids can't comprehend it. You try not to talk about death in front of kids. Um, And here it was that he was sitting down like man to man having this conversation with his grandfather. And, you know, his grandfather said to him, like, do you have any questions for me? Like, do you have anything in particular that you want to know about? Like, do you understand what's happening? And he said yeah, like, I know that you have cancer. And he asked him why. He told him he smoked a lot. And he thinks that probably has a lot to do with it. Um, The grandfather asked the little boy, like, are you angry with me for that? And he said no. And then the little boy said, is grandma angry with you? You know? And so it was, I didn't, it wasn't like a tearjerker type of conversation. But it was just really interesting to see them sit down and just have this heart to heart. Like, whatever questions you have, like, even even questions, you know, like you might tell a kid is inappropriate, right? Like the grandfather said, after I go, like, is there anything of mine that you want? And the little boy was like, I mean, I kind of like your watch, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and um, the grandfather said, like, you know, I got a PlayStation back at the house, too. And the, and the kid was like, word? Like, <laughs> I got a play, you know? Damn, a PlayStation? Yeah, so they got to have, like, those kind of conversations. And it wasn't so taboo. And the kid could really grasp what was happening and so that he wouldn't be that confused when it actually happened there there was a moment where the grandfather started to break down a little bit um i think the kid was saying like are you gonna miss me like who are you gonna miss the most what are you gonna miss about me and the grandfather was answering the questions and getting kind of teary and then the kid of course you know (laughs) you know when someone else starts crying so you start crying like that's what happened um but i thought it was really beautiful i thought that it's it's a thing that I I don't think a lot of people do that I think more people should do. And another reference is I know that we both listened to that Sam Harris episode. Um, I'm going to try to say his name correctly, but it's Frank Ostaseski. Frank Ostaseski. Ostaseski, right. So um, you can help me fill in some of this because I know it was a little while. It was like 
Wow, it was like November earlier. of last year. All right, so it was like a year ago that we listened to this podcast episode. And basically, they were talking about... I remember being thunderstruck by this podcast. Thunderstruck is like the opposite word of what I would describe because it was a very meditative like experience listening to it. The podcast itself, but Sam's like opening monologue. Oh, right. Was... It, it, it stopped everything. It was a really beautiful... And it's a thing that I still think about. So Sam Harris opens up the podcast with this kind of like meditation, I guess you'd say. And he's talking about how... I, I'd, I'd almost call it a, a lecture. Like a, but it like was, a well, 10 maybe, minute dude, if, meditation If Sam Harris is lecture. lecturing, it sounds like a meditation because of how he talks. Like <laughs> everything that he says, you feel like you're like settling into your seat and you're just like leaning back like taking in what he's saying and he was talking a lot about you know if you think about death and if you think about the fact that you're gonna die and not only that you're gonna die but that everyone everyone else around you is going to die and all their love and you really sit with that and you really let it sink in it can really change the way that you act on a day-to-day basis like i think he even said like if you're you know like before you get pissed off at someone in traffic (laughs) you can say to yourself like i'm going to die and that person is going to die. And do you really want to spend that, this time? This precious time that you have. To right, like, like acting this Love way. your loved ones and share your positive moments with the people that you have in your in your life yeah. and in your circle. Yeah. I think it's a I think it's a thought that I'm gonna try to re like introduce to myself again because for a while after I listened to that podcast, I would literally be in traffic the you and then I'd be like, you know what? they're going to die and i'm going to die and and i'm okay so why am i tripping right now yeah um and then ostaseski came on the podcast and he correct me if i'm wrong because like i said i'm a little fuzzy but he provides sort of this like transition service i guess for yeah, people that are end of life care for end of life care right are, yeah. end of life care for people that are obviously towards the end of their lives and he i guess sits with them and helps them come to terms with that and and accept it so that you know they can go as as peacefully as so uh i don't know that he's like they provide like therapeutic like services he doesn't sit there and help them come to terms with that like he's not a psychologist right he and his people are like for lack of a more appropriate term like like nurses who take care of the, the the medical needs that these people have without trying to like over sedate them so that they go into death feeling nothing you know like they they try to afford these people a mindful transition into whatever the next thing is mm-hmm. however you want to describe it if it in fact even is nothing so he provides them that that service so it it, and and they do it through the lens of of mindfulness um which is actually super fascinating but yeah so it's it's not it's not just like a like them with a notepad and a pencil saying like how are you feeling today yeah i guess i i get what you're saying um and even then i i think that's really interesting because i think that when a lot of people think about death or dying or other people dying you think of it happening against people's will you know so there is something about sort of intentionally like you know what i mean like intentionally moving towards something or just knowing like accepting you know because 
again, like you think accidents or you think people get sick or you think people are like going kicking and fighting and not wanting to go. And it takes a lot to get to the point where like in, in one of your favorite movies in the fountain, how, um, what is her character's name? Izzy. Yeah. Izzy. She's very like to, to the frustration of her husband. She's, she's ready. Like she knows that she's going to die and you know what I mean? Like she's intentionally moving forward. Like she, she kind of like puts her like internally, she's like together and she's ready. And, and it, and it makes for a much more peaceful end of life experience for her, you know? Right. Um, I do want to, I do want to like take the briefest of moments to address something that, that Sam didn't address. If like we're having this, this discussion, um, not all death is experienced the same by the people who are left behind, you know? So, um, like if you die of, like if you, if, if, if a person lives a full life and dies of, of old age, the experience of the people that they leave behind is very, very different from the experience of uh, say a parent who loses a child Mm -hmm. or a child who loses a parent Mm -hmm um while they are still very young or a husband who has like a a a wife who is 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 murdered or killed in a car accident so they i mean like we're not talking about uh, something that can be applied in a blanket way across all yeah like experiences of, of death but if in fact you were fortunate enough to live in a part of the world and in, in in increasing parts of the world people are dying of the 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 more modern ways of dying which is to say like you live a, a more full life or, or a longer life than otherwise you're not dying in extreme poverty or at the hand of extreme violence I mean, it still exists in places and in pockets and it bubbles up. But by and large, there's less of that now than there was, say, in the days of cavemen. Right. Um, Yeah, I so I definitely think that that's a that's a good point. And it and it's certainly true. Like death in many different ways comes in like many shades, you know, like there's different there's different responses for the people like like you said for the people that are left behind because it can happen in different ways to different people that you have different relationships with and um yeah which is which is honestly why i think it's 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 an important conversation to have or one that i don't think not that i don't think people should should fear it because i get it i mean like you know but i think that i think that making it a little bit more open or accessible and and yeah like like that video that i was just talking about like for children to be able to understand it because some ki- kids lose people and a lot of the time they're sort of like they don't really have any guidance in how to like deal with that until until it happens right. you know and then and then they're like dealing with the actual weights and then now they're being told like okay this is this is what you need to feel this is what you need to go through and i don't think even in my experience working with children through like teaching yoga and stuff like that, I don't think people would give kids nearly enough credit for the complexity of their thoughts and feelings. <laughs> kids guess, are super complex. Dude, it's crazy. Kids are kids. I've heard them. I've heard complex and then they deliver stuff to you in the most simple way, you know, like they just yeah. state things as is because they haven't been tainted by like society's 
and they often Bullshit. don't experience <laughs> yeah they often don't experience shame in the same way an adult would so because so if i have something to say to you but i'm bashful or ashamed or whatever it is that is like clouding my ability to speak directly to you um i might layer it layer my thing that i'm trying to express to you in nuance that mucky mucks up the the, the message somehow Whereas a kid will just cut right through all of the bullshit yeah. and say something so like clear and yeah, precise. like exactly as he means it or she means it. That's that's how they're gonna say it. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah. So and so just shifting gears a little bit again. Um. One of the other references, I guess, to that that came up recently was that show Adam ruins everything that's on Netflix, and so just for people that don't know, Adam ruins everything is a show with a guy named Adam that basically he goes around quote unquote ruining Hi, information I'm Adam for people. Conover. Yeah, ruining information for people. Fucking so basically if you have a like a notion in your head of how something is, he's going to like fuck that up. He's going to fuck up the whole thing for you. Like he's going to say and, and, and everything you know is false. I'm going to tell you why and he's going to break it down and like shatter whatever in the most you annoying have. way. He's like super super thrilled about like fucking up your concept of what you think is the case right so in that episode he got a little bit into like the funeral industry he also and he dipped into some some really like heartfelt stuff because he talks about how this very thing that we're saying a lot of people don't have the discussion when they're alive and so when they pass they kind of leave their loved ones in the dark as to like how they felt about death and what they wanted to be the case for their funeral and what their wishes were like a lot of the time people don't talk about that and so you just leave like confusion behind yeah um so that all being said and sort of like introducing the way that i want this to go is like a virtual death cafe and i'm gonna back up to explain to people what that is because i think you were actually the one that told me what a death cafe is mm -hmm. but death cafes are like meetups i guess you'd say meetups of people that are interested in sitting down i think a lot of the time it's at like a coffee shop or a tea shop or something like that and people just sit down and have these conversations about death you know people ask the questions they want to ask they reflect on their ideas and their feelings about death and it's all not i guess supposed to be in a super like morbid way it's just like how we're sitting down now which is why i say i want this to be like a virtual <laughs> death cafe like just sitting down and thinking it through unpacking what it really means and how it affects you and how it might affect other people um so yeah we're gonna be touching on like a different different branches of this and we're gonna get like more personal i guess and, and share some of our own obviously like thoughts and feelings and stuff like that but first i wanted to like widen the scope a little bit and share some stuff that i found out which is ways that other cultures deal with death and so like in preparation for talking about this podcast, I, you know, I looked up like what are some really interesting rituals or ceremonies or ways that people deal with death. One of the most obvious being that ceremony in Mexico, the Dia de los Muertos, like I think it's like a multi-day like event that goes on, um, which I'm sure a lot of people have seen with the sugar skulls. And you can tell it's, it's this really co colorful parade and they don't shy away from death as if it's something to you know what i mean like there's you know when you go to a like a cemetery here in the u.s and you're like Shh, like you have yeah to be like super respectful there it's like loud and it's colorful and they make food and they dance and 
um, they invite the spirits, you yeah. know, they like invite the spirits to come there so that they can see that they're being honored and that they're being respected and stuff like that, which, which I love. I mean, I love the idea of like celebrating someone's life or, or just, you know, showing up to, to be positive in reflection of them rather than being like hush hush especially because a lot of people didn't live that way you know like if i was to die i wouldn't want people to to be like shh we have to be respectful of rishios like fuck that you know what i mean yeah um and then i know for for my personal experience growing up in jamaica we have what we call um nine the nine night like ceremony i guess for lack of a better word because it's basically like after someone dies it's like nine straight nights and i would know because my neighbors apparently had a lot of people dying <laughs> and like <laughs> it was like nine straight nights of partying and, and celebrating their life and and getting people together and drinking and eating and and you know um do, I, do they have anything like that that you are familiar with like in trinidad um i don't so i don't i I don't think that I don't think that we like party for nine straight nights. I think, well, I guess it's relative, right? So I know people from Trinidad who they do like x amount of nights of like prayers, okay. which, but it, a, a more like solemn, yeah, solemn right. ceremony or whatever. Right. Okay. That said, when when my when my my cousin Alicia passed away in Canada in Toronto, and we all went up there to be with her her parents and her brother um there was a lot of there was a lot of sadness obviously but i mean basically the the vast majority of our time there was spent doing the same thing that we did here when my family showed up for my dad's right. birthday everyone is together and everyone it, it is... was a lot of togetherness and drinking and stories and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i yeah. mean it, i mean even moments of of what you would consider partying where like the the music was playing mm -hmm. the drinks were flowing people were dancing those moments were pretty much they were a minority of the time but there was a lot of laughing yeah um and a lot of a lot of like storytelling and and drinking and you know making making a concerted effort to be positive mhm mm some people did better than others, obviously. Of course, of course. And and that's just to your point that you made earlier, that some people, depending on, especially on what your relationship is with the person, you know, there's, there's a lot of like factors as to how you're going to cope and, and, and how you're going to deal. And what they meant to you. I, I'm not the most experienced person with death, if I'm honest. And Alicia, I'm like very different from a lot of the people in my family. I don't need, so I know that my family sees me that way. But I don't know if my family knows that I see me that way, too. That you know that you're different. <laughs> right, right. And I remember taking Alicia passing really, really rough because Alicia was the person in the family. And, and we didn't keep in close, close contact. But I think I think I always perceived her as the person who understood me most or best. Mm -hmm. So losing her felt like i was losing uh like a primary contact between me and the rest of my family you know someone to yeah, like I translate totally, yeah. me to the rest of them i understand so my experiences i can't say that i've had that many um the, the only one that stands out to me the most is my nana which i mean everyone loses their grandparents at some point or another right right so or or they 
or they, they were gone. Uh, so or they don't, the but I'm just saying, you know, it's not uh, comprehending or dealing with the death of a grandparent is different than a lot of the other time because, you know, it's, it's almost like expected. So, yeah, like going to my Nana's funeral and having to deal with that. And I and this goes without saying, but I, I loved my Nana very much. And my Nana was the kind of person that was like she glued a lot of our family together and she was like she was gentle and she was. So, it was. I mean, her funeral being a very traditional funeral was her. You know what I mean? Right. Like she was like she would have been happy with everyone being respectful and the whole family dressing up nice and 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 you know saying these really sweet things about her um but i can't say that it's the kind of thing that i that like messed me up you know what i'm saying like she was my nana she was old and she was sick to a lot towards the end of her life but but it's it certainly does it's like when it happens it like it like then causes you to think about a lot of stuff that that i guess you just don't like when i when i when my nana passed, I was like a freshman in college and I just had all this other like stuff going on. You know what I'm saying? So when, when, when someone passes, especially someone important to you, it's like crazy how it makes you like pause and like the whole family sort of like pauses together and think about like for her, it was like how, how we were all brought together by her and like the ways that she kept us together and how we were going to stay together after she, she's gone, you know? Yeah. So, so now that we're talking about like our personal experiences, like I said, that that's probably my only one except for like my dog, which, which like isn't the same thing, but like losing a dog is hard. But other than that, do you have any other like personal experiences with death that, that have, have been sort of like significant like moments for you? Uh, so in 2008, we went to the Olympics with my cousin. He competed and won medals and it was very cool. And that was, a uh, a very like major moment for like our family coming together and experiencing that and within so i mean two seasons later so so it, the olympics are, are in the summer they were the summer olympics and by december of that year i'm pretty sure it was december of that year my grandmother passed away on my dad's side mm-hmm. and we all went down to trinidad and were there for a while and it was like the second time in the same year that the family had all come together and had that moment of you know unity with one another um i didn't i didn't know my grandmother particularly i don't want to say i didn't know her particularly well i knew her about as well as a grandchild could know a grandmother when they don't live in the same country you know right but i tend to find that when things like this happen you know, you celebrate the life of the person, but it's also a really great opportunity to, you know, not to take for granted the other relationships that you have that are proximal to the relationship that you have with the person who's passed. Mm-hmm. So that was a great opportunity for me to connect with cousins that I don't see very often because they still live in Trinidad. That was a great opportunity for me to connect with my dad and appreciate our proximity. I mean, he's my dad. He's not, he doesn't live in Trinidad. Like I've lived near him my whole life. So and the same with my mom, even even on the opposite side of the family, you know, on my mom's side of the family, it affected the way that I, I perceived and tried to handle my family. And unfortunately, you know, that that effect wears off from time to time. And you have yeah, to, that's natural, I think. Yeah. When something to, happens, it's, right. It's, it's like shock that sort of like shocks you into feeling like you need to adjust the way that you're living or behaving or thinking. And then, yes, like after time 
and you don't need it to happen again to to get you back to that place but i think being mindful of the reality that you will lose people can try and keep you on that road of like not taking your relationships which for i granted, think is a lot of or you, abusing your relationships right which is uh, i think a lot of what what you get from that that sam harris thing that we were talking about like recognizing that like this is a thing that happens it's gonna happen to me it's gonna happen to people around me people i know people i don't know all of that like it really if you if you if you keep that close to you i think that thought it can it can like really positively actually impact your life like it sounds like a really morbid way to think and a lot of people don't like to think about that like if you were to go to i don't know how say your parents are but i feel like if i was to go to like my mom maybe and be like so mom like i've been thinking a lot and you know when i die she might freak out and she might be like don't don't talk about that like i don't want to talk about that and and a lot of people are like that you know mm-hmm. So shifting gears a little bit here, because uh, we were talking about sort of like our external coping, like ways that we cope with death. What would you say is your like personal relationship with death in terms of like yourself? Like, do you think about it often? You know, <laughs> I used to think about it more than I think I do now. When I was younger, I definitely used to think about it as a thing that I would have to deal with with respect to other people. There's a line in one of my favorite movies is Vanilla Sky. And there's a quote in that movie. Um, Tom Cruise's character says, isn't that what young is being being young is about? You know, thinking that you're going to be the first person in the history of mankind to live forever. Yeah, I remember that line. And I didn't I, I, I thought that that line was po- poignant when I first saw the film. But like I, it, it, it really has resonance now because it's it's becoming increasingly clear that I'm not going to live forever. And I make decisions around that mentality. I'm much safer in my like moment to moment well-being. I don't drive like an asshole anymore. Mm-hmm. I consider um, self-defense and and things like that in my rationale about how I live my life. Right. Um, how I live my life with respect to my family and their safety too. That said, I I also feel like I understand. I <laughs> I always remember older people in my life saying something to the effect of, you know, like I I've like been alive a long time. I'm tired. I'm I'm like ready to, you know. Yeah, I'm not- ready to go to sleep and just stay (laughs) not be dealing with the shit anymore yeah and while i can't quite relate just yet i definitely feel fatigue about life in a way that i never felt before about like having to wake up and like what am i gonna do about this fucking job what am i gonna do about my career have i am i where i need to be yet like have i made my parents proud have it like all the pressure of the moment to moment like rat race for lack of a better word there is no escape from that but death and that has occurred to me in in the recent past i'm not looking for an out but i recognize that that will be the only time that i ever stop yeah i that's really interesting the way that even even things the way that um death i suppose is this really subtle like underlying thing even when you're stressed yeah like when life 
because like people think life and death right like they're opposite so when life is feeling some type of way and it's feeling like heavy or it's feeling tiresome or it's just feeling exhausting you might not think to yourself consciously or like in a super obvious way just be like well um you know like there's death (laughs) you might not say that to yourself in the moment but it, it is interesting the way that you're phrasing it now in the context of this conversation how it's like this underlying thing like you you every now and then you do get kind of like this little mental reminder that like the life expectancy is this long so let's say everything works out in terms of like you don't get into an accident or whatever there is every now and then and i think everyone probably has this just subtle little reminders you might not sit down and contemplate it too much but those subtle little like reminders that pop into your head that like well i'm i'm this years old I can expect, yeah, like I can expect to live this long, and then you do this calculation that's like, so I gotta deal with like fucking fifty more years of shit. Like you, you might think that to yourself, and you might not dwell on it. Like I said, um, I know that I, that 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 pops into my head all the time. You know, especially when you're like at a certain point in your life, which I know we both are, where you're like trying to get to the part where like this is the life I want. You know what I'm saying? Like the, the, it's, I think it's natural and I think it happens all the time that yeah, it starts to pop into your head. Like, all right, I'm this year. I'm this many years old. And, and you know, it's a thing that everyone deals with, but I also know that as a woman having to think about like, damn, like if everyone have kids, like it's got, you know what I'm saying? Like you, yeah. people have a biological clock. And so that, that subtle, like underlying death is, is like there. And, and we, like I said, we don't, we might not spend too much time on it in those little like tiny moments where it pops into our head but but it's it's like clicking to me now as you're relating like your stress and your like frustration with having to get up and go to work and do all this stuff it's it's clicking to me now how that that death thing is like underlying there and yeah it's we just, don't really think about it like that it's, it's just, just there. a reminder a, a, and and like a constant reminder whenever you are feeling some measure of struggle that like the struggle is not for forever. Um, it might be for a while. You might have to put in, let's say, 50 more years of work. Um, but, like, goddamn, 50 years. Like, I'm, 50 years is more than, uh, I'm sorry, a little less than double the amount of time that you've lived. And it, it might not feel like that long, but you've been alive for a, a while. So in 50 years, you'll be well into your 70s and then you say to yourself well shit if that's double the time i've been alive let me let me just put in this work and try and maximize the amount of time that i can spend living the life that i want to live instead of trying to get away from a life that i i didn't want to live you know right um but yeah like whatever the the amount of time is that you spend trying to get in this work it, it, it it's a struggle and you can just rest assured that like that struggle is not going to be an eternity even 50 years i mean as you get older they say that time passes increasingly quickly so turn around twice that's another year this year flew by super fast yeah i um i do want to say here i i love the ways that some people and this is just illustrating the point that the concept of death and life is just different for everyone because a lot of people will say like 
wow i'm already like it's it's like a glass half full or half empty like i'm all, i'm already like halfway through my life and that's why people say they have like these midlife crisis because some people deal with it in different ways when that hits you when you realize like you imagine your life as this little like scale and then you're like i'm i'm like here at this halfway mark like what am i going to do about that you know and some people are some people are some people the concept of death and and life being short or whatever makes them mad optimistic and mad like adventurous and stuff like that like and then some people are are like afraid of death some people have like conscious fear of death i actually this um uh influencer i guess you would call her that i follow yoga girls if anyone listening like does yoga like you've heard of her so she's like the most popular like instagram profile and she she says all the time that she has like a conscious fear of death she's lost certain people in her life and she she talks about it very openly that dealing with death is like hard for her you know she just had a baby and and it scares her and she's always thinking about it and it stays like at the top of her mind and it dictates a lot of how she feels on a day-to-day basis or how she lives her life or the risks that she's willing to take. Do you, do you ever feel like that? Do you of feel course. like you're, yeah, hell yeah. What the hell? I mean, it, I think, I think that's like bio, I think that's biological. There's no way around feeling like that to some degree because we're all genetically coded to survive <laughs> and not just survive, but to, to, to propagate our bloodline and continue mm-hmm. who we are. Right. That's how, I mean, I've, I've heard philosophers hypothesize that that's the real key to living forever is through your genes. So, I mean, yeah, of course. I, I think I think on some level we're coded to fear death in that way. Um, that said, I, I, I don't think I, I don't think I fear death so much as I think I fear dying in ways that just seem horrific, you know? Like, I don't want to die in a plane crash. I don't want to drown. I don't want to get eaten by a shark or any of these things. that, Like, the typical Hollywood-style death scenes (laughs) that are just, like, absolutely horrific. But the idea, I mean, the notion of being afraid of dying or rather death it 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 doesn't really ring true because maybe it was alan watts or someone that said you know like think back to the time i've heard before you were born oh yeah you can't think of that because you didn't exist and you after death you won't exist you can't miss something that you won't know he says like think about going to sleep and never waking up and he says right it's hard but think about waking up having never gone to sleep and that's birth and it's it's just a concept that you can't quite imagine because it's just nothingness it's like the, it's the universe before it was there like before the big bang when it was just nothingness it's you the know? absence of existence the thing about dying that is 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 hard is not that you're going to miss people or no shit like, like you're not going to anything because you're dead the thing that's hard about dying is the people that get left behind because they're going to miss you they're going to be dealing with that and i find that that's that's true but i find that while logically you can say that i don't know how many people in their fear of death feel that consciously like 
if I'm I'm so a lot a lot of the fears that we have are tied to dying. Like I'm afraid of heights, but it's not because I'm afraid of heights. It's because I'm afraid of falling to death. You know, and it's like in that fear that like debilitating fear because if literally if I'm too high up, I feel paralyzed. Like I feel like I can't move. I'm not thinking to myself because what if I die and then the people that I leave behind. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's like coded in me no, to, to right. feel that fear of, of, of course. death, of dying. Yeah. That's and that's what I mean by the genetic thing. Like you're going to fear dying and not because of anything rational, but and 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 that's what the rational argument is about where once you start to think about it, there is no rational motivation to be afraid of dying unless you start to like be concerned for the people who get left behind right because once you die that's the end of that you like like you don't have grievances or concerns any longer so i actually this actually brings me to something else that i wanted to dive into with you because i know that you don't believe in there being like an afterlife you just think that when yeah. we die we die we just cease to exist like we are nothing now right yeah i i'm not you don't subscribe to any like ideas of there being something after death for us i think the most um gracious thing i can say about that concept is that i think it is born of some measure of wishful thinking so I guess what I do because I so I know this was about it Dane you. Cook that said something about like when you die like you you pull up like at like heaven like it's an airport and there's like five people greeting you with like a oh, card yeah, like, that says your name on it like yo yeah yeah, yeah. like you want welcome th- to you the perpetual th- vacation you want to think that's what it is um to, so yeah, that, I to, actually that's, that's not a, a I thing, actually I, think. I think that the you're correct in that I think that people find it comforting to think that there is an afterlife that. You'll get to be reunited with people that you've lost. That, yeah, it'll just be this this never-ending peace that you will then have and, and like, experience peace. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think the opposite. I think that I find comfort in thinking and knowing that after I die, there's there's nothing. I think that the the, the thought of an afterlife actually gives me a measure of anxiety because... So this is going to sound unrelated, but like the thought of like immortality, for example, does not sound appealing to me. Like just going on into forever, just existing into forever. What am I supposed to do with my time? (laughs) You know, like that's always and I know that might sound silly because and I know that a lot of people probably have their ideas like that. I'll experience things that I would experience something differently, that I would just be, you know, the purest essence of my soul. And so I won't I can't get bored and I can't get tired and whatever but the thought of that is not very comforting to me like the thought of the thought of i die and then that's it actually brings me a little bit more comfort i think than than the concept of like an afterlife especially because to me thinking about how for example it might happen in the movies you know when a person dies and then they kind of float out of their bodies and they say oh my god i'm dead like what happened i don't I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to have to process that information. Right. You get what I'm saying. So I, I think I think if you so I I have a lot of things to say right now, so bear with me. I think if you dig through the experiences of people who have died and come back, um, like or near death experience type people, I think you'll find that what they have to say about 
experiences like that are necessarily disconnected from any feelings of anxiety or even fear. You're saying that people that believe in afterlife or whatever. No, I'm saying that people who have who have like like they 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 stopped having a heart rate. They died. Oh, on people some, that like, actually died and, on and some like medical level and then they came back <laughs> right, or right, doctors right. were able to resuscitate mm-hmm. them somehow or people who had near death experiences and were able to come back because of some kind of medical whatever. Those people they don't describe like f- having feelings of fear or terror or anxiety. They're if you if you really dig into the accounts of people who have been through something like that, what you will find is a lot of peace and tranquility. Mm-hmm. They don't have a whole hell of a lot to say in terms of like shit that sounds scary. That's one thing. The second thing is if you really dig into the um, into the concept of like immortality, like you've mentioned. Because that's something that I've been fascinated with since always. The concept of immortality. Absolutely. And I mean it is fascinating. <laughs> I don't I don't know that I am as staunch and and so it's absolutely something to be scared of or concerned about, right? Um but I don't know that I'm as staunch in my position on it on it as you are because I'm at least open to the concept of it, right? Because if you live in a society where people can live for forever, certain things like having to wake up and go through the rat race and shit have got to go. The, the, every, every single thing about what it means to be a human being goes out the window at that point. Well, if you don't have, if you don't have to worry about dying. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's, it's like so ingrained in the human experience, living on a Precisely. biological clock and, and knowing that you're going to die and living your life accordingly. Right. And, and, and living to avoid dying. Everything about everything about like, so things like being concerned about the ways that you spend your time and that kind of thing kind of go out the window. I mean, like even if, I mean, I don't, I don't want to introduce at the peril of derailing the conversation too much. I'm going to introduce a concept that is that requires its own podcast really quickly. But if a country were to institute a universal basic income and all of a sudden the people that lived in that country didn't have to work, the question then becomes, well, how would those people spend their time? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a and that's a that's like a philosophical i guess question that people ask before if you didn't have to work for money what would you do right with your time and if all of a sudden you lived in a world where you even even if even if it was like barring like you could jump off of a building and die or you could get hit by a car and die but you You just never got old and died or got sick and died right that would change everything about the world as we know it. Mm-hmm. And that opens the door for people to do and experience new things, you know, like uh, because everything about the way that we live our lives right now is designed around perpetuating our existence. That's the thing that I find so fascinating about people who say that they want to live but then that that they that they want to die. Nobody nobody out here is living in in pursuit of death 
we we literally have in, developed an entire industry based around the idea of staving off death where you pay x amount of your hard ass earned dollars in the event that something happens to you just in, just case. in case yeah it literally you don't need this until you yeah. need it <laughs> but you're going to pay the money in case you need it in the event that you do mm-hmm. and you can go 30 years and pay a shitload of money and lose out on 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 thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars and not need anything like my dad has been healthy for pretty much all of his life with the exception of having some major migraine headaches he stepped on a piece of glass when i was a little boy and and was bleeding from his foot a lot like my dad has lived has been fortunate enough to live a very healthy life and he's had health insurance for the entirety of it of course <laughs> yeah the entirety of yeah. his adult life yeah and you could go your whole you could go a long time and not have to use it use for emergencies obviously you want to use your insurance for like doctor visits and stuff exactly. like that but you could never have to never have to use it yeah. and 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 like think about that like you people are paying huge sums of money as you get older health insurance gets more expensive and people are paying this money to avoid getting sick and dying or getting sick and, and period and consequently dying i mean this notion that people want to that people don't want to perpetuate their existence for as long as possible i i think i think it's there's some measure of intellectual dishonesty associated with every aspect of that argument so what i will say is that while i i'm sort of opposed to being immortal <laughs> If I could extend my life for like a significant amount of time, let's say I wanted to for for like 200 years, I'm, I, I, I might be down to do that because of like my curiosity about what's going to happen to the world, how will the world change, buy me more time so I can have more experiences and learn more things and make the most of it. But I think it's the idea of just perpetuating into forever that terrifies yeah, so me. <laughs> forever is a mighty long time. There's no way around that. But... I mean, so here's the other thing too, right? Like, I I say that I don't believe in an afterlife, but I don't think that that I think I think that I am prepared to say that I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about when I say that. And what I mean by that is, if you are asking me if the Judeo-Christian concept of an afterlife is a real thing or not, then I feel pretty good about saying that the people who came up with that concept didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. People who like, if you really think about the idea of, so instead of, I'm going to go about it this way. Graham Hancock is this journalist who gave this TED talk that that I was super, super fascinated by. And I'm not saying that what he said in this TED talk is science, but I am saying that it changes your perspective a little bit on, on what is and isn't possible. He talked a lot about psychedelics and mushrooms and the effect that those have on the brain and um consciousness really just generally and how science doesn't have a firm grasp on the nature of it and that we don't know beyond a reasonable doubt that consciousness is generated by the brain although we feel pretty strongly about that or we know that consciousness is associated with the brain, but we don't know if consciousness is generated by the brain 
or if consciousness or if the brain acts like uh, uh, the way in the same way an antenna does for a TV and it just picks up a signal and that there is something about the nature of reality that we don't understand as yet that our science cannot account for that explains what consciousness is and in fact is not. And as a result, I can't say with confidence that there is no afterlife or that consciousness does not flow into some other kind of thing after you die or that you whatever it is that you are is more than just your flesh and blood. I don't I don't I can't say that without without beyond a reasonable doubt. But what I can say is what I can say is that I can that I feel a, a fair measure of confidence that I don't anticipate that any time in ever you know, a man is going to float down from the sky and take his 200,000 people back to the the sky palace with him and leave the rest of us to burn in the fire, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a reason why I don't subscribe to that belief either. Um, what I what I can say that from my personal I mean I again this is all it's all speculation on our parts because we have no idea like you said but I think that what I at least like to believe is that while I think that right there's no afterlife so to speak I do believe in I mean you know me I, I do believe in say energy and leaving behind sort of traces of ourselves and you know what I'm saying like you said maybe we're not just flesh and blood and i do believe that i think i feel like we have souls and we have energy and we we sort of give that energy off and we receive energy and that kind of thing so for example i sometime after my nana passed away um i had a dream about her and i've had dreams about her before but in this particular dream i remember telling my mom the next day like nana visited me last night and that's how it felt to me you know it wasn't just i was having a dream and she was present she was i I felt like she was visiting me in Mm -hmm. my in through this like dream realm she she came to me to check in with me and it was a really simple dream i remember she just said something like oh what have you been up to and i said oh nana I learned how to knit because we found all your knitting stuff when, you know, after you passed away and and I I use them now and I I learned how to knit and she was so happy to hear that. And it felt like a check-in. It felt like just a piece of her was left behind to have that conversation with me. And I don't necessarily think, oh, you know, everywhere I go, Nana's watching me or something like that. But that moment felt very real for me and that moment felt like a piece of her right and i feel comfortable believing in that sort of thing that we we might leave you know pieces of ourselves behind some people feel like they're like protected by people that they've lost or that they energy yeah yeah, the energy i i i i totally feel comfortable believing in that yeah i so and you know i think the reason why i feel like a measure of it, it ranges from outright hostility to uh, like a feeling of needing to protect myself against this idea of um the necessarily religious ideas not just judeo-christian like uh, religious ideas really of any kind is because i think that there is a lot of like deceit wrapped up in all of that whereas you know if if the 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 concept of like energy where 
you know, you feel comforted by the presence of someone who you lost. As long as that person, as long as that, that idea doesn't become crazy and you're saying like, well, you know, I lost my dog, but my dog showed up last night and he's telling me that I got to blow up two train lines. Like th there are people who have those experiences and say things like that. Really? Absolutely. Yeah. There's a, I'm pretty like, I don't, I, who's, who's this? I, I, I really want to look into the serial killer who literally was <laughs> talked to his dog and his dog told him to do X, Y, Z. That's not, that's not, that's like not a, a thing I just made up here in this conversation. I mean, I believe you. I just, I guess I've never, just, I've never heard of, I've never heard of that happening before. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what, I guess what I am trying to say is that though, like the, the feeling of being comforted by someone who you lost, who showed up and you felt this like warm presence that made you feel like things were okay is, is, is not, uh, an idea that is hostile to the health and well being of other people. You know what I'm saying? Whereas there are some ideas that are harmful. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, so going off of this concept of energy and it potentially sort of being left behind, um, I think that that's where we start to get into now this, you know, funerals and, and how you honor the dead and that kind of thing. Because for myself personally, um, even if I believe that I'll pass away and I just cease to exist, I wouldn't want them to just like dump my body somewhere, you know, <laughs> because right. because respect and energy and that kind of thing. And yeah. I totally believe in having some kind of ceremony, right. a because for the people that are left behind, you 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 know, it, it's as much for them as it is for the person that has passed away. It's this way of getting closure and it's way of honoring them and celebrating them and, and feeling okay with that yourself. But of course, you do the thing that you think they would want. So even though I would cease to exist, and and I'll, I'll just say my thing is, and I know it's super cliche, but it's just me. I would love to know that after I pass away, I'm I'm I belong to like the earth in some kind of way, right? Either I'm scattered into the ocean, or I was actually looking up, um, or not looking up. I just came across the information that they have services now that can plant you as a tree with your ashes or they even have if you want a more sort of traditional funeral they have like environmentally friendly funeral services that have biodegradable caskets you know i that that for sure one of those options is for me preferably the if ocean regular caskets are expensive though i imagine the biodegradable well ones i'm sure but i'm expensive. just saying, okay just not on an adam ruins everything how much do funeral arrangements cost but just going off of what you would want um what like what do you think you would I, I i know do you care do oh you not care? oh i oh you have a plan <laughs> i know exactly what i want Damn, i can okay. i can like plan? jump on record about it yeah go i ahead. want exactly what they did in the fountain with izzy that's a, like to the t i want to be i want to be buried and i want a tree to be planted over where i was buried and that that's that's what i want so i was um and, and i want to be like buried in like the most affordable version of it. like i don't want like any ornate king tut absolutely ass. I, that's one thing that i, I don't that want i also want to go on to be burdened by yes, my death i absolutely want to go on record to say that i do not want that i don't want some elaborate super expensive unnecessary sort of funeral and those traditional funerals are the ones that that a lot of the time cost that much just to get the, the service the caskets are like like putting a down payment on a house or something yeah. they're ridiculous yeah 
I definitely don't want that. Something, something, something heartfelt, but something easy. The way that I feel about gifts, you know, yeah. I don't want people to like break the bank trying to honor me or, or, you know, spoil me or something like that, especially if I know that it's not like I'm going to be opening my eyes in the casket saying like, oh, they did pretty good. I, you know, I, I don't want, dead. yeah, I'm going to be dead. So I, yeah, I, w I definitely want something that makes me one with nature, but I don't want anything that's going to cause my family or whoever is taking care of me any sort of burden at all or yeah. stress. What, what, what is, <laughs> what is, um, a, a much harder question to answer i think is not what i want to happen to me after i'm dead i think the harder question to answer is what i want to happen to me if i am injured oh if you're in a coma or something yeah like, that? like I, I i i that's a much harder question for me to answer because it, it <laughs> i don't want to have a conversation here about I like I don't want to zero in on on cryo shit, but um, I just I just I I think I think I feel as though like with enough time you can find a cure or some medical solution to any medical problem, and I you know I I do feel some measure of like fear of death and etc etc but i think ultimately like the, the 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 guiding light behind my perspective on any of this stuff is that ultimately i want to live uh, and i want to live long enough to get answers to big questions that i have that i don't know can be answered throughout the course of one lifetime um we can do an entire podcast on cryotechnology <laughs> yeah but that's a, that's a whole other con a whole other question. But I, what I do know is that I don't know what I, I don't have any answers about, like what I would want to happen to me if I was injured or beyond like so consciousness. I think I do because that's that's the thing that I've thought about before. I think I might use an arbitrary number here, but I think that they say doctors might say that if there is no sign of consciousness after X amount of time, say it's three months, chances are they're not coming back. I would feel like I would be okay with saying that I would want my family or my husband or whoever's making my decision, my like medical decisions to say, I want to give her those three months. If that's what they say, right? Like if that's what they say is a reasonable amount of time to say something might change, give me those three months, but then pull the plug because I think it goes back to what we were saying about the people you leave behind, right? It mm -hmm. starts to become a burden and it starts to become really difficult for the people around you to not know where they stand. Are they mourning you? Are they holding on for hope? Are they foolish for holding on for hope? Are they just, you know, like how much money are they spending for this upkeep? Just a, a lot of those factors. I, I wouldn't want that. I don't particularly like the idea of me just being there also stuck in between sort of alive and sort of not. So that's my outlook on that. Right. Like a certain amount of time, but, but, but a certain amount of time, like say it up front Super and say, rational. yeah, say a certain amount of time right up front. If it happens, say, okay, we're going to wait three months. And if on this day, <laughs> by this day, if there's no change, we have to say goodbye. Right. That, that, that's my outlook on I that. I think. And so, okay. So I think the, I think it's way more complex than that. And the, the reason why I say that is this. 
I think the hardest part is getting 100% of the parties involved on the same page. Like you're, and, and, if, and if you have any people who are difficult people to deal with, in any my mom, my mom would never let me go any of those groups bro. then you you have a major problem so so like if if you have given your husband if your mom is difficult and you've given your husband xyz instructions and your mom does not fully understand your desire for those instructions and or 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 like let's further complicate things and let's say you've got kids and they don't understand your instructions and Let's even further complicate it and say none of the parties involved are in a position to pay for any of this shit. Then major problems. It, it's the so, most complex situation. I totally understand that. And I, and I think it's fair to say that let's just take you and I, for example. I can say, hey, if this happens to me, I want you to do this. You could say the same thing to me. But if it actually happens, I might be like, fuck what he said. <laughs> I want to hold on longer. And I think that I, I have an inclination to be like that. If it was to happen to someone in my family and they've specifically told me, wait three months and then pull the plug, I might get to that last day in the three months and be like, all right, what if we just hold on for this much longer? I can probably pay for this one. I could see myself being like that for sure. Right. So I know that it's more complicated. I just think it's important to like put it out there and say, this is what I want. So if it helps in any way, this is what I wanted for myself that has to obviously count for something and you have to take that into consideration. So I think it's, I think it's important to, if you have an idea of what you want, put it out there just so that people know. To know? circle back to like the experience of, of being dead though, like is being a vegetable. Any, that's, dude, that's like a, any, <laughs> sorry, continue. Is it, is it any different from being dead? I don't it, know. It, that's like what I'm saying. Like, like, because, like we've had this we've had this conversation or at least this part of the conversation purely from the perspective of the people that you leave behind but what about the people that you that 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 are, like are in fact the the injured or the or the dying like is it any easier to be is there any greater feeling of relief is is a burden placed on someone who is in that state by not letting them go by holding on for hope so if I understand, I just want to make sure I understand. Or are what they you're, already gone? Right. I want to make sure I understand what you're asking. Is it just that it's basically the same thing? So you're not dragging anything out for me. I'm basically dead. Like you're, like, you're not I'm, making it more difficult for me. Yeah. Like I'm just here sleep. I have no idea what the answer to the question is. I, I imagine there has to be some kind of studies that have been done on this kind of thing. And now I'm curious. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up. Yeah, but mean, the the nature of being a vegetable is that like you you like nothing is coming in, nothing is going out. Or are there are there levels to it though? Like are there is there the option that you can maybe you are? I don't even know if the I'm sorry. You know I'm like being should... really rude here. Like may, I I think is is like the word vegetable like politically incorrect, so to speak, or yeah. insensitive. I, I I don't know. I I don't know what the correct if. I don't I don't know what the correct term is. We are obviously not trying to be insensitive, but I don't think I don't think I think I think even when it's obvious you're still held accountable in today's world. So but. I understand that, but intention matters at least to me. So my point is it's not that I know what the better term is and I'm choosing not to use it. You know, I I, I genuinely don't know what the what the terminology is, like what the correct term is. Um that being said, I have no idea. I don't know I don't know what the differences between being in that state and being 
a catatonic state, I guess, is what they would call it, right? No, because I think in a catatonic state, your brain is functional. But, but you can't respond. But you can't. So I was going to say, I was going to say, because there's things like that, for example. And is that a good way to, to continue to live? I I don't know. I that mean, sounds I, like hell. That sounds awful. That seems like you're, tri- like you're a prisoner of your own body, basically. But I don't know. I just... Like I said, I think if you have any thoughts or ideas, and that's really why we're having this entire episode or conversation. If you have ideas or thoughts about death or the way that you would want to be um, honored after after passing away, I think it's important to at least put it out there, have the conversation, just casually mention it to a friend or a family or someone just so everyone isn't left in the dark. And no one, and, and you know, you don't want to get to the point where no one can say that they ever spoke to you about this or no at all and and that happens so and adam ruins everything that's what he said he said a lot of the time they're just like i have, have no idea how she then, felt about that and then they're or, burdened with like the notion of like damn did i even know her that well and then they have to say well i'm gonna now have to go above and beyond and try to do the most elaborate ceremony to make up or for... arrangement to 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 say okay well she you know if i if i just do this really well then that has to be you know um, so I did want to circle back a little bit to what I was going to mention earlier about since we're here and we're talking about ceremonies and sort of how we would like to be sent off. And I wanted to, so I found this article on TED as in like TED Talks, but it was a written article about different fascinating funeral traditions from around the world. And I wanted to share some of the ones that stood out to me. And then I'm for sure going to drop this link in the show notes because some of them were really interesting so they said, for example, that in Ghana, and apparently BuzzFeed had a whole article about this, they have what they call fantasy coffins, where <laughs> basically people will design these really elaborate coffins. And I use that term loosely because a lot of them kind of look like pinatas almost. They're, they're like three-dimensional and they look crazy of what would be like representative of the person that's passed away or what they wanted. So for example... In the article, I saw one of them was like a Mercedes Benz. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. It was like a Benz coffin so that they could be buried like that. Um, one of them, the, the person was, um, she was a mother or like a midwife or something like that. And so she was buried in this giant like hen looking nest thing. What? Yeah, this is in Ghana. Um, giant fishes for people that were fishermen like stuff like that just to just to really yeah like send them off with a bang this is the most representative of what their lives were like and who they were as people and what they wanted for themselves um fascinating i thought that was so i just loved it because and they showed pictures in the buzzfeed article they have these pictures of people in their little shops making them like as if making like an art car for Burning Man or making a, a float for a parade or something. That's how they looked. That's and these are so their coffins. Crazy. They're like, they have like built in coffins to them and that's how they're sent off. That's how they're buried or, or however they send them off. They got to make a pair, like a, like a big, I, w- I wanted to ask like, what would your fantasy? Coffin nice. be? This is mine. But like, we, we got to make sure that Jeezy gets buried in a pair of Avizu jeans, like a, <laughs> like a, like a big ass Ivizu jean who coffin. Who was it that said he wanted to be buried inside a Louis store or something like? Who said that? Bury me inside the Louis store. Who said that? <laughs> when I die, bury me inside a 
Gucci or Louis? Who did Louis? Two chains. Two. So two chains. We got it. We got it. It's going on like that. Do you have an idea of what you would what you would want your fantasy coffin? I mean, someone's at a bend. You could be buried inside whatever your favorite version of a Tesla is. Obviously, like a paper mache looking version. I want a nah. I mean, yeah, but I want like a or a rocket or something. Yeah, like a spaceship. Yeah, that would be dope. Yeah, that would be dope. But that's mad elaborate, yo. <laughs> that would be dope. I don't know what mine would be. I don't know what my fantasy coffin would be. Fuck. Because again, I so I and I'm really into the idea of earthy types, like something water related or ocean related or something. Right. I don't know. A, even if it even if it is like a little boat looking thing, you know. Yeah. I would I would be down for that. So um, a couple of others. Another one that I read about was in the Philippines. They have these people called the Tinguian. I think is how it's said. The Tinguian people that after <laughs> this is the wildest thing. After someone passes, they dress them up in like their best clothes. They sit them down on a chair and they like give them a cigarette. It's just like a little ritual, a little ceremony that they do. The article that I read didn't offer any explanation as to why they do that, but that's what they do. They they like prop them up on a chair and put a cigarette in between their lips, and I, I guess that's a part of their ceremony. I don't, I don't know why. So strange. They have the most interesting. If you look globally, they have the most interesting ways of dealing. Even in the Philippines, they had several other ones, and then they had in madagascar in madagascar they had what they call turning of the bones where after a certain amount of time of them passing away they revisit where the person was buried they like unearth their remains and they they like spray them with perfume and make them like nice again to to lay them back down i was blown away i'm gonna i'm gonna again i'm gonna drop this article in the show notes for people to look at and you have to look at it it's the most interesting things i it will we are definitely evolved from animals like like we are animals <laughs> yeah. i just find it interesting because i think at least in america traditionally i know that new orleans kind of does more upbeat kind of things sometimes too with the jazz and you know more celebratory kind of culture but in america traditionally your concept of a funeral is like that really sad funeral procession music everyone is dressed in black everyone like i said everyone's being really quiet and hush hush and that kind of thing but which is why i love to look at how other cultures do it because a lot of the time it seems more celebratory yeah. you know they are and they're not shying away from the dead they're not uncomfortable with the remains i mean propping someone up that to me it sounds incredibly morbid and disturbing but for them that's their thing it's, it's almost like they're sitting them down as their friend again like, like my friend chill. is here they're just chilling with a cigarette so cigarette no we're vibing did you did you have i felt like you were gonna make a point before. yeah i just wanted to i just wanted to go back to that that like first thing that we were getting at because i really think that that's the crux of and like the most crucial part of this conversation is to say that um you know like any any pain or anger or anxiety or frustration or heartache that a person might feel in their waking moments as as they go about their life can be quelled almost entirely by accepting the reality that they and the people that they love can 
be gone in a moment. This is the one precious moment that they have to make the most of mm -hmm. their experience on this planet, which was not a guarantee for them to make it even for a moment, even for a day. We don't live in a third world country where, you know, like there is genocide and famine. We are capable of, you know, virtually, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to say that we're capable of anything that we set our minds to, because there are some things that might be out of reach. I'm never going to be in the NBA, but there's things that I want for myself that are totally in reach. And people in my life who support me in that direction and that that can bring me and anyone else who shares those circumstances some peace mm -hmm. and i think that's the most important thing to keep in mind with respect to this conversation about death to like be grateful for the present because one day it will be gone and the people who support you will be gone and the people that you bring into this world if you decide that that's for you could be gone too you know so appreciate what you have and make the most of this moment i think that that is a perfect way to end our episode today some some food for thought um like i said i don't think this this conversation was right it's not creepy or spooky or morbid necessarily to talk about but i think it is um it can be difficult for a lot of people and i think just kind of sit with it like you just said use it in a more positive way and i think that that very thought that you just expressed will make it easier for you to have the conversation with other people so i enjoyed this conversation i think I. that it was and it was good for us to get it on record some of our hopes i suppose for how we uh how we go out <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I would love, of course, as always, we would love to hear any thoughts or feedback from anyone listening to this episode. You can email us at downtomarspodcast at gmail.com. And you can also tweet us at downtomarspod. Um, if you, if you feel like this is a tough thing for you to discuss with other people, we are all ears to hear some of your thoughts in our virtual death cafe <laughs> yeah man hit us up tell us your thoughts how do you want to get buried how do you want to deal with the people that you yeah. love some people have really out? creative ideas i mean obviously like how ghana is out here building death pinatas for people so i mean <laughs> yeah i would love to hear some of your ideas on some of the questions that we talked about and um we'll be back on schedule next week sounds good Appreciate y'all listening. Like us. Subscribe us. Send us your comments. Holla at us. Later. Peace.